Welcome to the Business Maestro with Kerry Wood, talking all things development, growth, team harmony, and getting the best for you out of your business. Every week, Kerry auditions industry leaders, business owners, and individuals who have increased the tempo on their business growth. For a direct line to Kerry, join the Business Ensemble on Facebook. Here's the thing. Kerry is straight up and straight down the middle. There may be some politically incorrect stuff coming your way. If you're into the no bullshit type of learning, then this podcast is for you. How are you going out there, people who are listening to the business maestro, Kerry Wood? I'm interviewing today in this podcast, one of New Zealand's brightest young accountants who's a specialist in cash flow for business. Steve Simpson is the principal at O'Halloran's on the North Shore. And if you want to know anything about accounting, anything about what's happening in your cash flow in your business, about some uh, business uh, cash challenges, about profitability. Stephen's the guy. He's just a wonderful young man. He's actually got a bit of an entrepreneurial uh, streak as well. Unusual for an accountant from what I've come across. Uh, most of them are died in the wool uh, sort of slow, but Stephen's not like that. Stephen's a really vibrant young man and his knowledge around business, uh, business performance, et cetera, is exceptional. So Stephen, welcome to the, the podcast and it's good to have you here. Uh, Stephen, you're in Auckland, aren't you? I am, Kerry. Yes. Thanks for the intro. Oh, that's great. So are you a born and bred Aucklander, Stephen, or have you had a real life somewhere outside of Auckland? Born and bred on the shore. Ah, born and bred on the shore. Well, you know, we won't hold that against you. So, Stephen, we're here to talk about cash flow. And I thought I'd throw a, a bit of a question at you because I get uh, questions all the time as a business coach. And all of my clients, they get a bit confused or not confused. Every now and again, they get a little bit, I don't know what the word is, uh, either bullish or not. They'll look at their bank account and they'll see, heck, I've got, you know, five, ten, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 in the bank. And they think that's money that they have. And uh, obviously, you know, I'd like to talk to you about that. But the next thing they do is they might look at their profit and loss. And they see that last month or this month, they made, you know, $10,000 or $5,000 profit. And there's a disconnect uh, for a lot of them between what they've got on the bank and their profit and loss, if that makes sense, you know, the profit or the loss. I just wondered, you know, from an accounting point of view with your expertise, how would you uh, go around explaining, you know, sort of that dichotomy? I I certainly uh, get the same question pop up uh, with a lot of my clients as well, Kerry. And unless it's a simple, say, rental where, you know, it might just be purely cash in, cash out. For a lot of businesses, there's a lot more dynamics that, you know, play part you know, to that profit and loss or, or cash position, um, accounts receivable, inventory, accounts payable, uh, drawings, fixed assets, tax payments. So, yeah, there, there's, you know, that, that bank account balance on, on a day or that profit and loss snapshot, you know, there, there's possibly some other things that need to be factored in before you can get that true reading. Is that what we sort of would call, what do they call it, the cash gap or something like that? Is that what that's all about? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned inventory. What does that involve? Help me with that. I've got some clients who are very accurate with their inventory. And so when you read a profit and loss, it should reflect their exact kind of cost of sales. Uh, And then I've got others that just, you know, do it on an annual basis, in which case all purchases, you know, could be accumulating during the year. And it's not necessarily a reflection of what's you know the 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 product or the or the time that's actually gone into um, you know producing that t- top line revenue. And also, what what would impact that is like your terms of trade buying product or buying stock as well. Does that make sense? Like you could buy the product today, have it on the shelf, sell it, theoretically get the money in, and then not have to pay for it for thirty, sixty, ninety days. Is is that is that common or how do, does that make sense? 
one of the formulas that I like to look at with clients is called the cash conversion cycle. And, you know, that does look at those three balance sheet cash flow key drivers, levers in a business. So that's your accounts receivable, accounts payable and inventory. And as you rightly say, depending on your terms of trade uh, with your suppliers and and also your customers, uh, there could be instances where you're getting paid before you're having to pay somebody else, which is obviously a great position to be in. And then obviously the other key is turning over that inventory you know, really quickly so that as long as you're making margin, um, you know, you can, you know, cash that margin and rinse and repeat. Okay. So when you're doing your cash flow analysis, you obviously you need to have that on the spreadsheet or on what you're using for your cash flow. Is a spreadsheet good enough to run this sort of thing, Stephen, or, or is it, do you need something, something flash or, or something really, really techo? I think, I mean, Excel's a great tool. I mean, the, the, the best or the biggest advantage that Excel's got over some of the, you know, integrated products that, you know, might integrate with, with the accounting software is, is just purely its flexibility. Uh, you know, insert lines, insert columns, play around with formulas, et cetera. Uh, of course, the risk is that you can also play around with formulas and get stuff wrong. So, you know, certainly in our business, we use uh, Excel and I've got a number of clients that, that use Excel as well. And and equally, I've got uh, a number of clients that also uh, like that more integrated feel, uh, you know, an, an, a large number of our client base use Xero. Uh, there's uh, some great partner integration, software integrations, you know, the spotlights, the future leads of the world um, that do provide that uh, seamless cash flow forecasting, uh, cash flow analysis integrations so that, you know, you can kind of use that that data in zero, it gets sucked through and you can, um, you know, reuse that data and, and get different outcomes, I suppose, from the same data set. You've re- recently just finished an ebook on on cash flow, so that, thank you very much for that. just out of interest. Anyone listening to this, if you want it, just um, go onto our Facebook ACBE Kerry Wood or go or email me info at acbe.co.nz and we'll get that to you, Steve. So what are what are the two or three easy, basic, simple things that a, a business owner can do to really tidy up, improve, make their their cash flow better? I mean, you know, there must be two or three little little hints that you could give us. And, and certainly anyone that goes on to uh, grab that ebook off you will see. I mean, uh, the framework that I work on when looking at cash flow uh, with my clients is you really need to understand it, then you need to be able to manage it, then you need to be able to improve it. And that ties in with the, with the seven key drivers that I was talking about before. So price, volume, cost of sales, expenses, and then those three balance sheet items that I already mentioned, accounts payable, receivable, and inventory. So I suppose going back to your original question, what are the three keys? Making sure that when you do an internal analysis of your numbers, they tie back to what your kind of gut expectations are. So for example, if you're struggling with cash flow, but you've got good sales, then one of the places that I would go would be have a look at your accounts receivable. When you're looking at your accounts receivable, uh, two really good places to do a comparison against, uh, number one, your terms of trade. Uh, so if you calculated or converted your accounts receivable into a debtor's day formula and then compared that to your terms of trade with your customers, that's going to give you a good indication as to whether, on average, 
your customers are paying you slower than what your terms of trade are. And so that would be a really good starting point because then you can put some focus into improving your accounts receivable debtor management process. Another really useful um, comparison around something like debtor days, Xero's got a fantastic small business insights uh, within New Zealand. For those listening in New Zealand, uh, it's a, there's you know, New Zealand specific data, there's Australian specific data, etc. And one of the uh, metrics that they measure is days that people get paid late within business. Um, So that would be, I I believe, a really good starting point is have a look at your numbers, take a different view of those numbers by using percentage of sales as an example, debtor days, creditor days, inventory turn, and then compare those back to your business and those metrics that you believe that you run the business on. So if you're paying... Uh, your creditors on the 20th of the following month, then that should be, you know, your kind of rough benchmark. If you're getting paid by your customers, you know, 14 days after invoice, then that should be able to give you a, a good benchmark to measure against. It's it's interesting, isn't it? There's an old saying to inspect what you expect. So what you're saying is, you know, if you if you expect your cash flow to be like this, or you expect to have cash in the bank and you don't then an inspection or an investigation or an interrogation of the numbers, even looking at it from a different point of view, might give you a far better uh, transparent look or visibility of, of where the problems lie. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I think dissecting those numbers uh, and taking a different view can sometimes you know, unlock that kind of mystery behind the numbers. Uh, and when you convert that cash flow cycle a cash conversion cycle that I was talking about uh, previously and actually throw it onto a piece of paper. Again, for those people who are quite visual, you know, with some of my clients, it's created that real aha moment where they sit there and they can see from a visual point of view, if you pay for your inventory on this day and then you sell it on this day and you, then you get paid this day, then it, it does actually help highlight you know, where potentially those, you know, cash flow issues are coming from. And therefore, people can then um, take some proactive steps to help um, improve that situation. Just, I mean, in your experience, Stephen, and, and as an accountant, what percentage of businesses in the small business community or in the business community have cash flow problems because they don't have a real, real solid handle on on, on these numbers and where they're at. Well, you know, is, is it a big problem or are we, are we just talking about something that no one, you know, is not a problem at all? What do you think? Cash flow can be a real problem for, you know, for the one-man band just as it can be for, you know, the big end of town. Growth requires a huge amount of cash flow. Um, and so, you know, if you're a fast-growing company, then, you know, sometimes uh, even even though top line's increasing, you know, your cash flow can be, you know, under immense pressure. Uh, likewise, if you're declining, you know, your, your business can be uh, under immense pressure as well as you try and, you know, play catch up and adjust your expenses to, you know, better match your declining revenue. Uh, and that's super relevant over these past couple of months, um, you know, with this COVID-19 lockdown that, you know, the world's been experiencing. So I think it's a, a situation where, you know, even the good businesses out there can still find themselves in trouble. And, and that can sometimes be, you know, through, you know, CapEx or capital expenditure or, or tax payments. 
Um, and then, you know, the, the smaller businesses can also uh, feel the same pressure, you know, due to the circumstances that they find themselves in as well. So they might have more pressure from, you know, a slow playing client because uh, it, you know, forms a greater percentage of their cash flow requirements. Uh, whereas, you know, at the at the other end of town, you know, those big provisional tax payments, especially those ones around the 15th of January each year can really knock the cash flow around a little bit when you're combining that with GST and other tax payments. Cash flow management, you know, is, is something that uh, all businesses will experience at some point in their time. Yeah, really interesting. A nice segue, Stephen, into into uh, the COVID situation we're in at the moment. And, you know, we've, we've just come out of it. We're now in level one or level 0.5 or whatever it is. We're out and about. Um, went to the rugby on uh, Sunday night at Eden Park. 40,000 people yelling and screaming. And interestingly enough, the Blues won. We're COVID, COVID-19. So this has brought a whole new raft of crap into the market, you know, like the, the stretching of the cash flow. So how does a business deal with the fact that they might be the meat in the sandwich? You know, they might be a provider to the fact that there might be four or five people in the chain, you know, they're in the middle. So number one's not paying number two, he's not paying number three, and now business is number four, and he's got to pay number five and number six. How do they deal in that situation? You've seen across business, you know, there's obviously been, certainly in New Zealand um, and and around the world, you know, there's been some government uh, support that's been out there. Um, and so I know Should we take of, that? Should we just take that? I mean, you know, if we, uh, is there a pride thing or a, you know, I mean, I'm a business owner, you know, do, do, you, do you get that? The people go, oh, you know, I've, I've never taken a handout from the government. I'm not going to, you know, how do, how do people deal with this? If it comes down to, you know, for the sake of, as you say, putting pride aside and, you know, being able to get through this downturn and come out the side with a, with, with still a viable, sustainable business, then I think, you know, you've got to put your pride aside because there's no point in, you know, losing the business over pride. Well, at least I don't believe there is. So I, I think, you know, certainly if you, if you tick all the boxes, you know, I think you should take up those opportunities because um, there's a good chance that your competitors are. And so therefore, um, you know, you don't want to be putting yourself at a disadvantage. Obviously, if you don't tick the boxes, that's a completely, um, you know, that's a whole nother matter. But I think, you know, we, we have seen government support out there. We've also seen, you know, um, support uh, in other areas such as tenants and landlords talking amongst themselves and coming up with new arrangements uh, so that, again, uh, the landlord has a viable uh, business out the other end that can continue to pay rent post this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the, uh, another big cost for businesses is obviously, you know, salary and wages. And again, you've seen, uh, you know, over and above the wage subsidy, you've also seen employers, uh, you know, look to address um, that situation and reduce their costs so that, again, they've got a, a viable business out the other side. So th there's definitely uh, the need, you know, if you didn't see this coming, and, and obviously uh, the majority of us didn't, uh, and if you don't have that rainy day buffer to help you get through uh, this, then your only option is to adjust your expenditure to match your new cash flow inflows. And again, you know, I've you know I've I've seen clients that have been kind of had the double whammy uh, blow because you know their new income's down, uh, and then the work you know that they did pre-lockdown 
uh, they weren't getting paid for either, uh, or they were getting, or, or it was slow collections. As I told my clients, uh, you know, once you know we we kind of went into lockdown and a little bit before, uh, all the cards are on the table, you know, and and I think it's just a matter of having sensible conversations with with everybody. Obviously, reaching out to your bank and having those conversations as well all helps. So communication is is where it's at. Just got to communicate. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, I mean, you know, we're now into level one, but I believe that there's still going to be some pain out there. Um, and so I think, you know, just, just you know, there, there's a, there's definitely, I think, a lag between the health lockdown kind of levels that we're experiencing and those business kind of flow on effects as well. And so I think, you know, whilst we might be out of the woods in terms of uh, the health side of things and, you know, X number of days COVID free, that doesn't necessarily mean that you know that that all aspects of the economy are bouncing back and super rosy. So I think you know there's still some pain to be felt, and I think therefore communication is is still really really key. Yeah, I think the uh, just in my end of the world, uh, Steve, the uh, the hospitality and tourist industry is just in a nightmare mess at the moment. And as the as is the uh, international education um, industry in New Zealand, you know it's a billion dollar industry, both of them, the tourism and the um, education industry, and neither of them have got clients. And as long as the borders are closed, um, you know that's they've got nowhere to go. So you just have to do what you do. Interesting. I um, you know, and also in my world, you've I agree, you've just got to communicate. If you haven't got the money coming in to pay your creditors, then you just have to. The more notice you can give your creditors. It doesn't actually help them get the money, but it helps them look after their own cash flow. Does that does that ring true for yourself? Does that make sense? I think it does. Yeah, absolutely. I think absolutely. And my and my guess is that you know they're not you know you're not going to be the only person who's you know potentially feeling well feeling the pain, and therefore you know your debtors are someone else's creditors. Um, and so I think you know you, you want to have that transparent you know, kind of effective communication, you know, relationship with your with your suppliers as you would like your customers to have with you. You know, you want to be given the heads up from some of your customers that, hey, if they're feeling the pinch, you know, the sooner you know, uh, the sooner you and, and the better you can plan for it. Likewise, I think, you know, you owe it to your suppliers if you want to have long-term relationships and continue to have long-term relationships with these um, suppliers uh, that you provide them with, you know, with the same um, transparency and, you know, communicate and, and open communication channels so that they can in turn plan their cash flow knowing um, that you might be, you know, a week late or a couple of weeks late or wanting to enter into a payment plan. That communication is, is super key. So the other end of it, obviously, is that if, if you can't pay your, if you've got a cash flow problem because you're not getting your cash in, I hate the word debt collection because for me that infers, you know, a, a problem getting the cash in. Um, I'm a great believer in, in preempting uh, all the time the fact you have cash. Like, for example, if you're about to invoice somebody $5,000, then when you invoice them, you know, an email or a call going, G'day, John, it's Kerry here. I'm just sending you the invoice for $5,000. You know, our payment terms are 20th next month. Is that going to be all right? I think in this day and age, we have to be very proactive at letting our expectations be known 
about when we're expecting the cash in because then, you know, you're opening the lines of communication, especially, you know, now we have long lines of communication. So do you support that, Stephen? Like, you know, being preemptive with the, um, I'm not, I'm not suggesting, I tend to use the term cash collection. That is checking your clients are happy with the service, checking your clients are happy with the deliveries. Then they've got no reason to not pay. And I'm not suggesting they have a reason, but, you know, just covering off the bases all the time. And, and if, 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 and getting them onto a payment plan as quickly as possible. If you're owed $5,000 on the 20th of the month and the client can't pay you, then if the client can pay you 2000 then you can pass on that 2000 It's about communicating through the whole spectrum. Does that does that ring true for yourself? Yeah, I'd agree. Absolutely. And again, the, the sooner you know, um, then the sooner you can, you know, look at potential alternatives. You know, I've got some clients that use, you know, invoice financing. Again, not for everybody. But if it's something that helps you out of a short-term challenging cash flow pressure cycle, then it's, it's, you know, potentially, you know, as long as you've got confidence that they are going to pay, then if you can't wait for that payment, then, you know, there are alternatives out there. And again, it's a case of then being able to look at that, you know, decide which ones you might, you know, look to take up to, you know, help you continue to move forward. Yeah, it's a, it's the most interesting thing to um to have that discussion. Just a quick thirty seconds, Steve. You mentioned about invoice finance. I think they call it factoring. Does that make sense? Um, mm-hmm. twenty seconds. How how the heck does that work? So the idea, the, the the really, as you say, thirty second snapshot of it is that you raise an invoice to a client or customer. If that's on credit terms. 20th of the following month, for example, there's uh, financial institutions out there that can, in essence, provide you a advance on that invoice and use that invoice as security, uh, might be 80%. And then once the client pays, they then release the other 20% less their fees. And so it just, again, helps you speed up your cash flow cycle. The sooner you can get money in the door, the sooner you can pay the bills, the sooner you can create that that cash flow conversion cycle again and as long as you're making margin then that's how you obviously build up your cash reserves hey steve thanks so much i mean with your amount of knowledge we could probably sit here for a hell of a long time talking about cash flow and accounts and all that so really do appreciate it hey this is the business maestro on on a podcast talking to steve simpson the principal of a hellerans we've been talking about cash flow just from my experience most businesses that wind up wind up because of cash flow not because of profitability so listen to this podcast again and pick up the four or five key points that stevens the first is to inspect what you expect to learn to understand your cash flow understand the numbers, understand your terms of trade, where you cash it. So you've got to understand it. And then you've got to learn to manage it. That is, where is your cash at? Where's it coming from? What are your terms of trade? Remember, without a framework, it will be hard work or guesswork. So get a framework about managing your cash flow. Get a spreadsheet. Use a use a, an add-on to your accounting product to make it. And the third thing is to improve it. Whatever your cash flow is, I don't think cash flow can ever be too good. You want the best cash flow you can. So think about the big word, the communication. That is, communicate with your suppliers to make sure they give you the most beneficial or the most generous terms you can get. Communicate with your clients to try and get the cash in as tightly as possible. So understand it and then manage it and then improve it all the time. And Steve's got an ebook, so come back to me. 
uh, info at acbe.co.nz and I'll smack you a complimentary copy of that and you'll have that immediately. But we're really, really blessed today to have that information from um, from Stephen, who is one of New Zealand's top young accountants. So Stephen, thanks so much and uh, wish you well. And um, and yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come back to you for another one. We might we might get you on, on board again in a little while, Steve, to do one about uh, about valuing or selling your business or something like that. How does that feel for you, Stephen? How would that be for you? Yeah, fantastic. More than happy to help out, Kerry. Great okay, to mate. another one with you. That's great. Hey, thank you very much and see you all on the other side. If you took something away from this podcast or if you know someone that is on their business journey who will find this really valuable, be sure to share this wealth of knowledge with them. And don't forget to subscribe however you're listening to this. And if you're a business owner who needs a bit of oomph, join the Business Ensemble on Facebook and continue today's conversation. 